people have a tendency to question themselves. You know, what if I can't do it? What if I let somebody down? I think sometimes it's just Satan. He doesn't want us to have the things that God wants for us to have. Is risk reckless or is it willingness? Welcome back to the Riskers podcast. Today, we welcome Linda Howard, Associate Publisher at Tyndall House Publishers. Linda leads publishing for kids, youth, and family, and she's worked with authors like Ann Voskamp and John Ortberg. If you are eking your way to taking that first step of risk, Linda's interview will empower you and show you how God turns first steps into incredible opportunity. So the big question is this. How do Jesus-loving entrepreneurs, pastors, and driven men and women of faith like us who are taking risks to pursue their kingdom calling, how do we get our mission, the problem we're working to solve, the pain we're striving to heal, how do we fully realize it here on earth? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Caleb Brakey, and welcome to the Riskers Podcast. Welcome, Linda, to the Riskers podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Linda is an associate publisher at Tendale, and she comes from a line of education. Taught for, I want to say, 14 years, Linda. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Let's start right there. Where did this passion to teach the next generation, where did it start for you? You know, I've had just a passion for kids my whole life. My other passion has always been music. And so when I went to school, I thought, what better thing than to put those things together? Got a music education degree, K through 12. I love that. And I'm already feeling myself wanting to go off track because music. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what to call it. It's been this bright, shiny object that I admire and adore so much with zero connection or ability to it myself. (laughs) Linda, I told my wife the other day, I said, watching people sing brings such a joy. I look at it as almost the most pure expression of ourselves, even beyond what I love, which is writing, because there are emotions coming out. So I'm very excited to hear that and just your passion and, and connecting the two. You know, you say you've always loved teaching kids. Where did that begin for you? You know, what was that driving force, your why? For me, it's always been that you can make a difference in somebody's life through teaching and through pouring yourself into them. And kids love that. They respond with such love back. You know, I have five grandkids now, which is crazy. But the other day, I was taking my five-year-old grandson to a place called Sunny Acres up here. There's carnival rides and just some really fun stuff. And it was our day. It was just grandma and Charlie. He had given up the opportunity to go to a ninja gym with all his siblings to come with me. And so we get there and I find out that they closed for November. I'm like, we had this day, it's November and it's 70 degrees in Chicago, which never happens. Really? Is this really happening? And we're driving off and I'm like, okay, well, we'll go to Target. We'll get you a toy and we'll just still have fun. I'm in the front seat, inside my head steaming. He's in the back seat looking out at the sunshine and he just looks out and all of a sudden kind of under his breath, he goes, this is just the best day. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fine. First of all, fine, Lord, I get your point. <laughs> 
But second of all, that's the beauty of children. And that's one of the reasons I love working with them so much. He didn't let disappointment ruin his joy. Wow. You telling that story makes me think of, I used to work at some retirement apartments and there was a couple there who worked together. You could see the weight of them coming in every day and they had found their comfort in their misery. They like to talk about how early it was and how, uh, you know, work was the worst. And, and, and if kids are at one end of the spectrum, you could almost see like, this is, this is where you can end up pretty easily. It's not hard because the weight of the world does come on you. How important is it to capture that wonder and that being in the moment and taking it with us through our thirties, our forties, our fifties? What is your philosophy? How do you teach to make sure kids never quite lose that wonderment, that spark in them? I think part of that is just encouraging them when they do that. You know, so when Charlie said that, I was like, you know what, Charlie, you're right. Grandma was kind of sad, but you're right. It's it's the best day. So let's go make it even better. Let's go to Target. And we walked around Target for an hour and he picked out a few toys and he was so happy. You know, so I think part of it is just really encouraging that in them. And I think for me as a publisher, it's creating books and stories that help bring that out and remind them of the wonderment in the world around them. I love that. I, I want to dive deeper into how you're helping to shape kids through books, through publishing. But I know you didn't just wake up in the publishing chair. You started as an executive assistant. I did. Which in itself just screams hard work and risk and dedication here because you don't go from assistant to associate publisher overnight. Why don't you walk us into that room where you became an executive assistant? Tell us about your job and and how it progressed. Yeah, I was um, in between jobs, just gotten out of a really difficult, difficult situation. I was like, I don't even know what I want to do right now. I didn't want a bad boss again. And a friend of mine knew that I was looking for a job and said, hey, there's this executive assistant position open right now at Tyndale. So I went in and I interviewed twice and got the job, which is a bit unusual, particularly at Tyndale. Usually they're interviewing a ton of people and and I was the only one, I think, that they ended up interviewing for this job. And it's kind of one of those things where you know God's just moving you through the process. So I got the job uh, working for one of the VPs at Tyndale as an executive assistant and was loving the job and loving the people that I work with. And then we have an alliance at Tyndale with Focus on the Family. And my boss, Doug, looked at me and he said, you know, I really think you've got something with your background and the things that you've done. I think there's some real possibilities for you in this product development area. And he said, I'd love for you to try doing kind of a half and half thing. And I was like, it's a little scary, but sure. So I did it. And then the person who was in charge of focus at that point left Tyndale and they promoted somebody else up into the director of focus. And he came to my boss and he just said, I will take the job, but you got to let Linda go full time over here. So at that point, I went full time working with focus on the family. When I first started, I was working with everything. I worked with Tony Evans on his Kingdom Man book, Ken Blanchard on a book, just had so much fun. Did that for several years. And then we really felt like it would be good to kind of split and have somebody really focus on the focus kids stuff and somebody focus on the focus adult stuff. (laughs) And um, that's when they said, of course, you have to do the kids stuff. That's where your passion is. That's what you love. So the next few years, I did 
both marketing, they called us brand managers, and I did both marketing and product development for everything kids and was in a really comfortable place. But on the other side of the building, the person who was heading up the kids team resigned and I argued with myself (laughs) and was like, you know, you really want to do this job, but I don't know, can I do this job? Just this whole back and forth of what do I do? What do I do? And I just really felt God saying, you need to at least go for it and see what happens. So I put in my hat in the ring and asked to be considered for the job and interviewed with my now boss, Ron. And it wasn't very long afterwards, I got the, uh, the information that I had gotten the job. I can't remember what my title was, but <laughs> acquisitions director of kids. Went into that scared, but really excited. So over time, it's gone up and I'm associate publisher. I oversee all of children and youth at Tyndale and it's a dream. Scared plus excited. (laughs) Yes. I I feel like that could be the definition of risk. I have to go back. There's so much here I want to unpack. (laughs) Okay. But I have to real quick share a story. I am an Odyssey kid. Like I grew up Uh on that. Uh, Me and my brothers, we used to have a cassette recorder that would have a speaker that went into each room. Right. And I think we went house sitting for my parents' house. And so my wife and I slept in my old room and there was an odyssey in, in the cassette for, uh, for my nephew. And I just go, ah, oh, let's awesome. play this. Press play. And I start reciting every word of the episode. And my wife's jaw is on the floor. She pulls her phone, starts sending it to her family. Like, oh my goodness, like, where does this even come from? I love uh, that. It was amazing to see how things just, I mean, when you were young, you are glue. I mean, those, oh, yeah. those impressions on you stay for so long, I mean, forever. Yes. It, it reminds me, I just saw I a sweet video of a, a ballerina who was now battling Alzheimer's. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. It was incredible. Throw on yes. the music and she goes right back into routine as if it had oh. never changed. It was absolutely That was amazing. Incredible. It really was. Moving on from Odyssey, you've worked with a lot of different authors, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere from Voskamp to yeah. children's authors. You now have this gatekeeper role that is going to impact a lot of people, and it's your dream job, and yeah. yet you kind of tried to talk yourself out of it. <laughs> Why yeah. is that? Yeah. Why do we hold back when it's the thing that we want, but we're scared? Yeah, I think it's a fear of failure, for one thing people have a tendency to question themselves. You know, what if I can't do it? What if I let somebody down? And I think sometimes it's just Satan. He doesn't want us to have the things that God wants for us to have. And Mm. so I think he puts those doubts and questions in our minds that aren't from God. What have been some of your favorite stories of the books you've been able to produce that are now impacting a younger generation like Odyssey impacted me? What are some of those stories that get you so excited to keep doing what you're doing? Well, I'd say one is some books that we've done just in the last few years. And the overarching brand is called Generation Claimed. The first book we did with them is called You Are. And it's this little board book. But what they've done is taken promises. So You Are is a book of promises of who God says you are. You know, beloved child, you are loved and treasured. And then there's just a verse you would not believe the responses that we've gotten and not just from kids, 
from adults, from teenagers. I have two people that I work with who have teenage girls who read this book every night before they go to bed because they were struggling with fear and anxiety and inability to sleep. I read this book every day because I need to know who I am in Christ. When you have books that impact people that way, that's why we do what we do. We have another book, complete opposite end of the spectrum on the YA end of the spectrum, and it is a spiritual warfare book. We're putting out the third book in the series right now, but the very first one's called The Delusion, and The Delusion talked a lot about suicide and where those suicidal thoughts come from and understanding that therapy is part of it, but also understanding the spiritual nature of the battle that we have. And the author had a boy come to her once at a conference and told her that he had his suicide planned the day, the time, the method, until he read this book, and it changed his mind. Before we go further, I want to take a quick break and tell you about the publishing expertise offered by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we help men and women of faith become powerfully positioned to impact lives by collaboratively writing their book and building their ministry platform. If you've longed to write your book and impact a broader audience, our team is here to help, even if you don't have the time or energy to write. We've helped riskers like you secure traditional book deals, hit numerous bestseller lists, keynote to 100,000 people in two years, and get featured on Entrepreneur on Fire, Forbes, and Inc. Schedule a free strategy call at www.calebrakey.com. I love that you started with identity. Like just, this is what God says about you. I mean, what a powerful place of growth. There's so much guilt and fear and shame and false narratives we build up as we go along. And the only grounding force we have is who we are. I mean, how important that is. And, And I love the fact that you mentioned adults, teenagers, the truth we teach kids, that doesn't change, right? Right. It's maybe just simplified and simplify is a good thing. Wow. I love the fact on the other side, how you're dealing with actual topics and things that are happening. I, I can't tell you as someone who came up very ignorant of all the issues, but now has gone through people I love and people very close to me, everything from suicide, anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression, issues that a lot of people can shrug off like, oh, that's just like another word for whatever, real dark things in people's lives. Yeah. I often say one of the greatest gifts you can give someone is to just understand them. Yes. What are you going through? What does this feel like? And how can I be there for you? Yeah. Um, to meet someone in those dark places of suicide, of wanting to end it, there's no point. It's so incredibly needed. And I'm so glad that we do have people at the forefront who are going after the issues and going after the identity because yes. those two together, that's powerful. So important. Okay. So before we started the podcast, we talked a little bit about how risk can often be seen as recklessness. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm just looking for scary excitement, but it's not. And you used a word that I felt really encapsulated what risk is all about. And, Mm -hmm. And you said it's willingness. Can you speak a little bit to listeners about willingness? Because I think a lot of the times people think of risk as like, I got to be all in or all out. And it's like, no, no, no. Open your heart to a willingness. And it doesn't mean that you have to empty your bank account and drop your job or any of that. 
but a willingness to move toward this direction that's been put for you, this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's that willingness to listen to what God's trying to say to you. And sometimes that means being still and quiet for a little while, being willing to listen and not just saying no. And I think we do that. God's trying to tell us things sometimes. We're like, no, I know better than you, God. <laughs> I think you're wrong. So I think part of it is that willingness to listen. It's willingness to engage with other people trusted, trustworthy people and saying, can you see me with the ability to do these things that I'm considering doing? And then I just think the willingness to take a step at a time. It's like you said, you don't have to just like jump into the deep end of the pool if you can't swim. You know, I think my journey through Tyndale has been a little bit of that. It's been a step at a time. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have been ready (laughs) to be in the position I'm in now when I very first started at Tyndale. But it was a bit of a risk just to even go to Tyndale in the first place. And then to take that next step to do part-time with Focus. And then to take the next step to do full-time with Focus. And then the next step to add marketing to my job. And then be willing to go out on a limb and say, okay, I'm going to do the big job here and take over this. And I guess the last thing I would say probably is just that willingness to check in with God and ask where he wants you to go. On a previous episode, Kathleen Curran, editor at Harvest House, mentioned Mm -hmm. that one of the biggest mistakes she sees are people who believe they need validation before they ever take a step. Mm, That's a great point. And I look at your your background in education and music. So much of your job you, you learned because you had taken a step. So what would you say to those who are listening, who are kind of waiting for validation before they ever take a step, before they ever begin? Please don't wait for somebody else to validate you. The only validation you really need is from God telling you this is the step you need to be taking next. And part of risk is going to be failing too. But what you can learn from the times it doesn't work out, whatever it may be, you've learned something, you've grown as a person. And when the next opportunity to take a risk comes along, you're wiser. Oh, that's powerful. I can't remember who said it, but the idea of they said they never lose, they either win or they learn. Great advice for listeners today. Linda, there's going to be writers amongst listeners. I would like to know what your advice would be to those who write for the children's market What are you seeing that isn't powerful? What makes you sit up in your chair and pay attention? What gets you excited about the person who's submitting the manuscript? And also, of course, the platform that gets you really excited because I know there's a, a line that needs to be walked there. So how would you encourage the writer today? Hey, this is what we're really looking for. And this is how you can start helping yourself. A great question. I'll start with platform. There's literally hundreds of thousands of books released every year, so it's easy to get lost in the noise. Today, more than ever, authors are such a huge piece of getting the word out, but what I would say to people is it's not necessarily how many people you have following you on social media. It's the engagement that they have with you as a person, because if they care about you as a person, they want to buy your book. They want to know more about you. If they don't care about you as a person, they could follow you and even like a couple things on your social media. But when you put out a book, they're not going to care. So I would rather have someone who has 50,000, I'm just making up numbers here, but 50,000 total followers who are 
all in. And when you say, I wrote a book, they're like, give me the link. I'm going to buy it. I'd rather have that than someone who has millions of followers and nobody buys their books. They're just following because it's the cool thing to do or whatever. And I would also say that platform is more than just your personal followers. It's the people that you have in your sphere of influence that can help augment your message. If you are friends with another author or several authors who will also help talk about your book, you know, you help each other and you just augment each other's audiences and your reach. So it's even more than just how many people are following you. It's who can help you get the word out. And then, I mean, it's, this is hard right now, but before COVID, I would have said part of your platform is how often you're getting out there and talking to people. It's much harder now, we know, but this isn't going to last forever, I hope. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I really hope. But getting out there and getting in front of people and speak at schools. If you're a children's writer, go read in classrooms, read at libraries, speak at your church, go to conferences and find ways to speak and just find ways to connect and network. Your network is going to make all the difference for you when it comes to your platform. Those are some of the things that we're looking for. And we're looking for people who are growing. You know, if we see that you had, I don't know, 5,000 followers on Instagram last month and this month you're up to 8,000 and, you know, it's going to keep growing, that's, that's a big deal because people are taking notice or people talking about you, you know, those type of things. And those are things we would look for too. On the message, I don't know that I have a certain theme necessarily that I'd be looking for, but for me, generally, it's what is something particularly for younger, so for younger kids, what is something that as an adult, so as a grandmother myself, I would be just as excited to read as my grandkids would be to hear it. Wow. So you've got to be thinking about the adult as much as you're thinking about the kids, because we all know that when a kid (laughs) loves a book, you as the adult are going to read it at least a million times, (laughs) (laughs) at least. For my birthday, my husband and my daughter each bought Amazon Echo shows so that my grandkids can call me. Now, they only live 10 minutes from me, but so they can video me whenever they want and talk. And the two-year-old calls me most days so that I will read this one book to her, Boo Boo the Blue Gosling. So I'm giving a plug for Boo Boo, who I can't even remember who wrote it now. It's a cute book, but she calls me just so I'll read the book to her. I've read that book. I could, I could just recite it right now. <laughs> and it's fun to read. But if I didn't enjoy reading it, I would find a way to lose that book. Instead, now I'm looking for other books in that series for her because I know she loves it so much. So if you find something that the adults love as much as the kids, you know, that's a great, that's a great thing. And just really trying to speak to felt needs like This you are, that's such a deep, deep felt need for people. People need to understand their identity in Christ and they need to know that they matter. And that's why we're getting the kind of response to that book that we are, because it's hitting a really deep need in people and it's doing it in a winsome, engaging way. So yeah, I'm looking for things that people need. We haven't found a really great book about grief. How do we help kids address grief? Basic theology, how do we do that in a really fun, engaging, winsome way for young children? The other thing that we see a ton that people continue to want for their kids is how do we help build character? On the other end, you know, in the YA, we're doing books that are hitting issues that people are talking about. 
we're just finishing up a series called The Sunlit Lands, which is one of my favorites that we've done. And it's a fantasy and it's not overtly Christian, but it deals with race and privilege. What I love is that it's written from the side of the person who's privileged and her having to realize that she's privileged and realizing that for her to be privileged, somebody else had to give up something else. Mm. So what is she willing to give up so that other people aren't losing Mm. for her? We have another series coming out called the Nade series. It's a two book series that's talking about justice versus revenge. And there's a bit of the Me Too movement in there. But what happens when you go too far? So, you know, just just issues that people are talking about and caring about in that YA, they really want to read about those. And one of the best ways for kids to deal with some of those issues is through story. Because it's not preaching at them. We're not beating them in the head. We're telling a story and allowing them to think through these issues on their own. Man, take that clip, rewind it, (laughs) listen to it over and over again. That was incredible. And all of this is flowing out of the second greatest commandment to love others. You got form. It's based on people who know, love, and trust you. You have your felt needs. You're thinking about others. What topics are they battling with, struggling with? And how can I approach it in a way that isn't preaching story, which is how Jesus taught. Yes. Um, I absolutely love that. Linda, this has been amazing. And I like to wind down with a simple fill in the blank question. Risk is blank. Risk is necessary to grow. Linda, thank you so much uh, for joining me, for just sharing your story and all this incredible, actionable uh, advice and insight. If people want to find out more, they can obviously go to Tyndale, but mm-hmm. where's a good, uh, a good call to action for people? I mean, I'm pretty open if people want to just, I mean, I'm Linda Howard at Tyndale.com. You can email me if you got questions, if you've got thoughts, if you want to talk through things. I'm totally open to having conversations and talking to people. One of the reasons I continue to go to conferences is because I feel like somewhere somebody gave me a chance. I was an executive assistant and they gave me a chance. Mm -hmm. And often people who are going to conferences and doing some of those things, it's the only opportunity they're going to have to sit with an agent or sit with, like me, a publisher. So it's kind of a way to give back and give somebody else a chance. So yeah, Linda Howard at Tyndale.com and yeah, let's talk. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, would you please leave a review? And if God is calling you to risk, we have a place for you to start at calebrakey.com. Continue to go after that problem you are trying to solve. Continue to go after that pain you are trying to heal. The calling that God has on your life, take a step, just one step. Doesn't have to be a leap. Take a step today. Linda, thank you so much. You bet. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was a ton of fun. Thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we're on a mission to teach kingdom-minded men and women how to write, publish, and market best-selling books and build world-class platforms. To learn more, go to www.calebrakey.com.